Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Uh, So, today, as we kind of begin our Bible study of the morning, uh, we are going to uh, continue with our message series, uh, Heroes and Villains, that we uh, have been doing on an annual basis for a number of years now. And uh, in this particular message uh, today, we're going to be studying the story of Abel in the Bible from Cain and Abel, the story in Genesis chapter four. If you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles and just kind of turn to Genesis four, because that's where we're going to be spending most of our time today. But just kind of a reiteration of the idea of this message series, Heroes and Villains, is that we believe that the stories in the Bible are not simply stories. They're not just fictional tales. Um, The characters in them are not just characters, but they are us. We see ourselves in those stories. We can see ourselves in each of them. And and so as we return really to this series, as we kind of study various individuals in scripture, we're going to explore the lives of some of them and find our place in those stories and really ask the question, what is it that God might want to say to us through them? What is, what is scripture trying to tell us? If we know that the Bible is the story of humanity and who we are and how we relate to God and how God relates to us, then what might he be trying to say to us through the stories of the individuals that we've been uh, that we're exploring. So this past week, last week, we started our series with um, with Thomas, who is famously called Doubting Thomas. And what we learned about the story of Thomas is that Thomas's story shows us that doubt should not be our final destination, but instead should lead us to a search for greater truth and greater faith, right? To lead us to a search for truth and for greater faith. Well, today we're going to be studying the story of Abel in the Bible. And uh, we don't really know a lot about Abel. Most of us primarily know about Abel because of his brother Cain. Um, Cain murdered Abel in anger. We're going to explore that a little bit today. It's kind of inevitable. There's really not a way to study the story of Abel without really talking about Cain in some capacity. So I tried to focus as much as I possibly could on on the concept of what Abel's uh, aspect of the story and what God wants to say through it, but it's inevitable that some of it will cross into what, you know, into understanding from Cain's perspective as well. Um, It's not a large story. Uh, The entirety of the story is told across 16 verses in Genesis chapter four. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Genesis four, you'll see it. Uh, And many people don't really know that Abel is actually mentioned in other places in the Bible. Um, and, and actually he's known for his faith, interestingly. So there's a little bit of a clue today as to what we're going to be talking about of the story of Abel. Um, and so here's some things that we do know about Abel. We know that he is the son of Adam and Eve. So the story of Genesis begins in the garden of Eden. And when we pick up the story with Abel and Cain, they have been expelled from the garden because of eating the fruit that, um, that was prohibited to them by God. So they disobeyed the command. The curse has fallen upon humanity at this point. And then it says that Adam and Eve have children. And so Cain is born first and then Abel. We know that Abel is a shepherd. The passage of scripture that we're going to be reading says that he was a shepherd. And actually the literal phrase there is feeder of flocks. So shepherd necessarily wasn't the word at the time. It was just feeder of flocks. And so that was his 
occupation. And most likely at this time, he would have had sheep and goats. That's what he would have been feeding the flocks made of sheep and goats, which makes sense because if you go to the Middle East, people who are shepherds in the, in the desert areas there have many goats and they're often uh, sheep and goats there as well. So um, that was what Abel's occupation was. He was a feeder of flocks. Now, because his parents were Adam and Eve, who had an intimate relationship with God, albeit a fractured one at this point, Abel and Cain both would have been raised to worship God. They would have, they would have been taught to honor God as, as his parents did. So that was part of it. So when you see in this passage of scripture that both of them bring an offering, if, if this is a new story to you, we'll get to there in a few minutes. But for most of us who have heard this story before, we many of us know that Cain and Abel both bring an offering from their occupation. So uh, Cain brings something from the land because he was a farmer. So he, he brought some kind of fruit or from his harvest, and then Abel brought um, what the Bible says was the first fruits of his. So um, an animal or, uh, or two, something of that nature. It's not very specific, but since he was a shepherd, he would have brought an offering of, of the animals that he is in charge of. Um, but the Bible tells us that they both bring an offering, but only Abel's gift is acceptable to God. Only Abel's gift is approved. And so two questions that we're going to be kind of exploring today that's going to give us, I think, uh, uh, an answer to our question, but what can we learn from Abel's story? And the first is this, what is it about Abel's gift to God that was different than Cain's? What was the difference? And then secondly, why is Abel known for his faith? This is what we're going to be uh, exploring today. So if you guys have your Bibles, in Genesis chapter four, we're actually going to begin reading in verse two because verse one says what I already told you. So verse two says this. So she, being Eve, also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering, and then it gives a little bit more detail, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Uh, that's just kind of like a, a little precursor to what we see later on in the temple sacrifices. Um, the animals that were brought were slaughtered and then cut up. And then the fat portions of the animal was considered to be the choicest part for the sacrifice. So right now we're seeing before the sacrificial system was even set up, we see that the Bible is kind of setting that up as sort of like a foreshadowing or as a precursor, okay? So there's a, that's a little bit of an indicator right there that, that Abel put some thought into what he was giving the Lord as an offering. Um, some of the firstborn of his flocks and their fat portions. And then it says this, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. We'll get into that in a little bit. Verse five says, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. So Cain was furious, like just, just, I could just see him like, uh, like the character in that movie inside out the, the anger guy, the, the red guy who's like head explodes, like off the top of his head with like fire coming out, like, or like a, um, uh, like a, like a train, you know, you always see sort of like, you know, choo choo, like in like the, the whistle that's got like that, that steam coming out. Like, that's what I imagine Cain. He's just furious. He gave God this offering, but God did not accept it. He did not regard it. It says, so Cain was furious and then he looked despondent. So verse six says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? That's interesting. Like, okay, so what was the problem here? We'll, we'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But 
if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Here's a warning here. It is, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So we don't really know how much longer goes by. Cain says to his brother, Abel, hey, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel and killed him. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? This is where we get the phrase, my brother's keeper from. So two weeks in a row, we get little popular cultural idioms that come from the Bible. Um, last week was, uh, was doubting Thomas. And this week is, am I my brother's keeper? Then he said, what have you done? God said to Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood that you have shed. And if you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. All right, we're going to stop there. So what is, what is going on in this story here? Why, why did God accept Abel's gift, but not Cain's gift? And then it doesn't mention faith here at all. So later on in scripture, we'll find out that, that the Bible says that Abel is known for his faith. And so we're going to explore that a little bit too. I think one of the main clues about Abel that we can see here about why the gift was accepted from Abel and not from Cain is in verse four, where it says that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. What does that mean to have regard? Well, the word here, the Hebrew word here is yisah. All right, Yisah. It's translated as regard, or maybe in some other translations, maybe you guys are reading, it says have respect or accept. So it's like the Lord regarded or the Lord accepted or the Lord respected Abel's gift, right? But the word Yisah literally means to gaze at something or to look with favor at it or to care about it or to pay attention to it. The opposite would be to turn away from, to abandon it, to look away, to desert it, to forsake it, or so no longer having care or regard for an object. So what do we see here? That God paid attention and cared about Abel's offering, but he abandoned, he deserted, and didn't care at all for Cain's offering. So that's what we see. So like the, the, the strength of it, first of all, we don't know why, but we do know that there was a significant difference in the way that God took it. It wasn't just like, oh, his is better, so I'm going to take this one. I, I can only take one, so I'll take the better one. No, like it, it's very clear that when the two of them were presented to God, that God looked intently at one of them, Abel's, and thought, this is wonderful. This is beautiful. I care about it. I give favor to this. I pay attention to it. And I look at Cain's and I'm like, like that you ever seen that meme that drake meme where he's like like that one like that's what god was just doing here for for cain like i don't care about it i'm abandoning your gift like i'm leaving it here like oh i left the birthday party and you forgot your gift no i didn't forget it i left it there intentionally like it sucks i don't want it so for whatever reason it was so strong and so i get the idea of why cain was furious right like if i gave you a gift 
I would be ticked off if you just had no regard for it at all, like just ignored it. Okay. So, so we see that, but what's the difference here? Why does God make the distinction between the two? Let's compare what verses three and four say, if you guys want to go back to it and read it with me. Right. So, so each, each one brought an offering from their own occupation. So we know that the shepherd, right? So we know that Abel brought, brought the, 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 the animals, his firstborn animals. And we know that, um, that Cain brought some of the land's produce. But what does the language say? Abel offered some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Cain offered some of the land's produce. So, so we see that both of them are acceptable occupations. Okay, so that's the thing. The clue is not in that their job, right? It's not that one's a farmer and the other's a shepherd and one's better than the other. So the issue isn't that they both brought something from their own. Neither gift in itself was inherently better than the other one. But clearly God was, was pleased with one and rejects the other. So Cain becomes furious and angry, ultimately killing his brother over it. But before it boils over, before it happened, God tries to reason with Cain. And here is where we get a clue as to what's really going on. Look what it says in verse seven. Why are you furious? Like, what is, why are you so angry, Cain? And then he says, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? That word for do what is right is, is Hebrew is tetib, tetib, T-E-T-I-B, tetib. It's translated as do what's right or if you do well, okay? So it's like some translations say that. It'll say, you know, why are you so angry? If you do well, won't you be accepted, right? But what, it, what, it's, what it's saying here, literally, the literal translation of the word tib is to behave well, to do good, to do right, and to do what's pleasing. But more specifically, to have positive moral actions in a general sense, do you, do you hear that? Like, it's not just the offering. It's who you are as you brought the offering. Everything that led up to your offering is what God considers in the offering, right? So the concept here is po positive moral actions in a general sense. Like you, and also includes usually giving another kind and favorable circumstances. So when you treat other people well, when you are a good person, when you act rightly in general, if the state of your being, the state of your existence is right, won't you be accepted is what God is saying. So it seems to imply that there was something wrong with Cain's character in general, not just his offering, but that the way he lives, who he is as a person and his, his regard for other people and towards God is the problem. But not even that, it's just even further because it says, won't you be accepted? What does it mean to be accepted? The Hebrew word there is seset, S-E-S-E-T, seset. It's translated as accepted or lifted up, but it literally means exalted, like dignity, swelling, uprising, lifting one's own face. So what God is saying to Cain is you're looking down, you're despondent, right? You're shrinking, but you're being filled with anger. And he's saying, if you lived the right kind of life, I would accept it. And you could hold your head high in my presence. You would be lifted up. You would like, you would just be floating on cloud nine because I will, I will give you favor and blessing, but I can't because even though you brought me an offering, your offering is worthless because it means nothing. I don't need a sheep. I don't need fruit. Like I'm God. I don't need that stuff. 
What I need and what I want is you and your, your behavior, your actions of, to be full of love. So we see here the issue is not the actual offering. It was the essence behind it. Abel was clearly viewing God as having a general sense of moral, uh, moral rightness or pleasing nature. Like he was viewed by God as having that, as having a general sense of moral rightness or pleasing nature. But Cain, by the rejection of his gift, was missing something. Now, this is where we learn a little bit more about, about Abel. If you guys want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, in the New Testament, verse 4, we get a little bit of another clue about Abel, which really just, I think, cements in what we're talking about here, this idea of, of tatib, right? The idea of doing what is right, being well, doing well. If you do well, as in like all the time, if your actions and your the who you are as a person is good, is pleasing, we see a clue here in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. The writer of Hebrews is talking about faith and he says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Now that's interesting because in the verse that we just read, it doesn't necessarily appear that way on its face value, particularly translated in English. It just sounds like one offering was maybe offered better because, because he offered the first of it, of it. And I think that's important to note. I don't think that it's insignificant that it does outline that Abel brought the best of his flock where it just says Cain brought some, right? So there's something there, but in Hebrews, it says by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man. You see that? Like, what is that word? That's saset. You are accepted. You'll be lifted up. But, but Tatib is talking about your moral like standing, he was seen as a righteous man because of his faith in God, because of the way he lived. He lived according to God's design. And because of that, when he offered his gift, he's saying, God, I'm giving you my best because you deserve it. I'm living according to your way. And God accepted him. He was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, and this is for us today, he still speaks through his faith. He still speaks through his faith. So what do we see here? Abel shows us that it was the state of the heart that made the difference. The state of the heart. Abel's gift came from the depths of his heart, while Cain's offering was really just to make terms with God. He was taught that. I mean, if any of you have grown up in a Christian home, you could probably understand this, that there is a time in your life, maybe it was for me, I can speak for myself, growing up in a pastor's home particularly, that the faith that I had was mostly from my parents. You know, I would go to church on a regular basis. I would go to Sunday school. I would sing songs at church. I would go to the outreach events. I would do various things, but it wasn't my faith, really. I mean, I was just what I was taught to do. I think in a lot of ways, that's what we're seeing from Cain. Cain grows up in a household where his parents had a very intimate relationship and knowledge with their creator, with Father God, right? So we see that. And they would have taught their kids to know God, to worship him. But at some point, Cain took a path away and was just kind of like doing his own thing. And Abel was walking closer in the relationship like his parents were. So we see the gift that comes from Abel as being from the heart, from the depth of his heart in faith that he will be accepted because he's living according to the way that God designed life to be. 
Kane, on the other hand, seems as though he was just doing what he was told to do, but didn't have the heart behind it. It's like, I'm just going to church because I gotta. If my parents didn't wake me up, I wouldn't be there. Like, that's kind of the impression that I get here. So by faith, Abel offers a better sacrifice. Faith that God was pleased with his life, pleased with it, and presented an offering with a pure heart. And this is why it's important for us, because for us to understand that God wants us to come to him out of faith not an equation. It's not about an equation. It's not about how often I pray. It's not about how many verses of the Bible that I read on a given week. It's not about whether I serve at church or I don't. It's not about how much money I give to the church or to give to God or I don't. It's not about even like how I treat my friends or my, my spouse. Like if my heart isn't in the right place, no amount of prayer, no amount of doing good things, no amount of social justice or good behavior, no amount of prayer is going to make a difference to God. It's faith, not an equation. It's the heart, not obligation. That's what we see here in Cain and Abel, the difference between them. The two brothers giving almost exactly the same thing, but one was accepted and the other was not, was because of a heart versus obligation. We actually see this in other passages that God feels very, very strongly about this. If you guys want, you can open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter seven. And I'm going to be reading out of the common English version for this because the language here is so good when it's translated this way. Jeremiah chapter seven, this is CEV. Jeremiah seven verses 21 and 22, Jeremiah 7, 21 and 22. He says, I am the Lord, all powerful, the God of Israel, but listen up. I will not accept your sacrifices from you. So don't even bother bringing them to me. You might as well just cook the meat for yourselves. At the time I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, I didn't command them to offer sacrifices to me. Instead, I told them, If you listen, if you do what I tell you, see how that links into the story of Abel? If you live the life that I tell you to live, if you live according to my principles, I will be your God. I will be, you will be my people and all will go well for you. Can you almost like the echo of this? You can see this, right? Here we are hundreds of years later now, Jeremiah is prophesying to his people, (coughs) excuse me, telling them they're about to go into captivity if they don't get their act together. You are about to go in. Babylon is about to come and crush you and destroy you and take you into a foreign land where you're going to be slaves in their land. Please get your act together. God doesn't want your, your, because what was happening at this time is what what Cain was doing. They were a nation of Jewish people but they were worshiping a bunch of different gods and the temple of God was open and the priests were still in place and the prophets were there and, and people would still bring sacrifices, but not out of the heart. They were only bringing it because it was the rule. It was like celebrating July 4th. It was just what they did every year as a nation, but there was no heart behind it. And so God tells them, I don't want your sacrifices. I'm not going to take them. Cook the meat yourselves. Don't even bring the stink of it into my, into my temple. But then he tells them, just like Cain, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. And God says here, if you listen to me, do what I tell you, I will be your God. You will be my people and all will go well with you. We see it again in Isaiah chapter one. Again, another, another prophet talking to the people of Israel, like pleading with them to get their act together. This one is much more 
um, like much more like language here. We're back to CSB, by the way, the translation CSB for this one. Isaiah chapter 1, 11 to 15. And we see the wording that's used here is so emphatic. This is God, uh, Isaiah uh, speaking, God speaking through Isaiah to his people. And he says, what are all your sacrifices to me? This is verse 11, Isaiah 1, uh, verse 11. What are all your sacrifices to me? Asks the Lord. Let me tell you something. I have had enough of the burnt offerings and the rams and the fat of the well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, of lambs, or of male goats. When you come to appear me, who requires this from you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of your solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and your prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. When you spread, this is so big. Listen to this. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Did you, did you hear that there? I will refuse to look at you. That's like what he said to Cain. I did not regard. What does it say? To not look at, to turn away from, to, to abandon it, right? I will refuse to look at you even if you offer countless prayers. I will not listen. Why? Because your hands are covered with blood. Wow. On contrast, Hebrews 11.4, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks to us through his faith. Wow. Like it's not just a matter of bringing like two different offerings and one was like thoughtful and the other. It's so clear that God could care less about the prayers that we speak to him. He could care less about the acts of service that we provide to him. If our hearts are not right, if we are not the people that he has called us to be, if we treat our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers like trash, and then we come to his place and we want to offer a gift of praise. If, and, and so for us, we don't offer sacrifices. Like we're not slaughtering animals in our backyards and bringing them to church, right? That's not what's happening here. But what we are doing is we're offering God worship, right? We come to church on a Sunday morning and we sing songs to him of worship. That's a sacrifice of praise as other parts of scripture talk about. We are listening. We're sacrificing our time so that we can hear God's word. And then we, we, we say yes. We say amen to those things, right? We talk to each other. We encourage each other. All of it is a worship offering, a praise offering to God. We give our tithes and our offerings to his church. These are all like modern day versions of offerings to the Lord. Now imagine for a second, if we come to his presence and we sing a song of God, you're good, you're worthy, I praise you, I love you, I declare your breakthrough in my life. And then all week long, we've been, we've been treating people like garbage. We're yelling at our spouses. We, we are taking money from, from things that are supposed to go to other places. We lie to someone because it's easier for us or we take a cut, cut a corner at work. You know, All the things that we could do that could, that could be, that are not right, whether we do them inadvertently or whether we do them intentionally because of areas of, of sin or strongholds in our life that, that have us. And then we come to God's presence and we sing as though there's nothing wrong. I cannot get the echo of God's voice out of my ears where he's like, stop. It's a burden to me. Wow. But by faith, 
God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to live my life like this. Give me mercy and grace. Thank God for Jesus and his, and his, and his, his blood that covers our sin that allows us to enter into his presence, right? Thank you for that, God. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. So what can we learn from Abel? What are some practical points that we can get out of the story here for us today? The first one I think is obvious. We've kind of already said this, right? It's the state of our heart and the way that we live that matters most. I think that's really the biggest thing that we can get from the story of Abel and really from Cain. If you look at it from both sides, it's the state of our heart. Are we softened to God's presence in our lives? Are we thoughtful about what God is saying to us about, about the way that we live? Do we give him space to convict us when we're doing wrong? Or have we become so desensitized to our actions and our behaviors that we don't even consider that the things that we say or do are perhaps dishonoring to God or to ourselves? It is the state of our heart and the way that we live that matters most. The second thing I think that, that we can get from the story of Abel here is, is from that little space that talks about um, what Abel brought. It said that Abel brought the first fruits. He brought the, the, the best of his firstborns and their fat portions. And this is what I think we could learn from this, from, from, from Abel, is that when we give God the best of what we have, it honors him and shows that your heart is in the right place. Heather and I were just talking about this last night. We just planted our garden. Uh, in the, in our backyard. And, you know, it takes months. We talked about that a few weeks ago with the concept of sowing and reaping, right? One of the rules and laws of sowing and reaping is that you always, you always reap after you sow. And so we were talking about how it's going to take months. It'll be like mid to end July before we actually start seeing some of the fruit and the vegetables from our garden. And we were talking and I said, you know what? I think what would be really cool is if we took, when we did our first harvest of all the, all the plants that we get out there, all the different fruit and vegetables, what if we took some of the first of it and we gave it to our neighbors? Like what if we took the first fruits that of our harvest and we said as an offering to God, we're going to give it to our neighbors as like an offering to God. And I think that's kind of what we're, what we're talking about here. And it could be anything, right? I mean, obviously traditionally first fruits talks about a tithe, right? In our concept, you know, churches tend to, uh, to talk about the tithe being 10% of your paycheck, giving that to God. Whether you believe that or not, Heather and I for years have said the first thing we do with our tithe is it's the first, the first thing we do with our paycheck is we take that money and give it to God before we pay our bills. It's the first thing we do. Why? Be it's not the percentage I'm talking about. It's the heart behind it. I'm giving God my first and my best. That's what Abel did. Abel said, I'm going to give you like, okay, here are my, here's my best firstborns. I'm going to take this one and this one, and I'm going to give them to God as an offering. It seems like what Cain did was he just gave some of the produce. We don't really know. I mean, it obviously makes the distinction. But I think when we give God the best of what we have, it honors God. And it shows that your heart is in the right place. God, I love you. You are deserving of the best that I have. Do I want that zucchini and those tomatoes? Do I want to get them in my mouth right away? Yes. But you know what? What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to say, God, thank you for my home in this awesome backyard and this plot of land that we can, that can grow great fruit. You are a good father. You've taken care of me. And I'm going to give some of this first fruit of this to my neighbors to say thank you to you. And I think that just shows that my heart is transformed and it's not an obligation. So it's the state of our heart and the way that we live that matters most. I think giving God the best of what you have 
offer uh, to have to offer honors God and shows your heart's in the right place. And the last thing is, I want you guys each to have confidence that what God gave you to work with is what he wants from you. Every one of us have different skills, different occupations. And I think it can be hard for us because sometimes I think that each of us look at other people and think that the gifts that we have to offer, whether in quantity um, or in type category is better than what we can offer. And what I see from the story of Cain and Abel, particularly from Abel's story, is that Abel wasn't worried that he wasn't a farmer. Like he was the older brother and his dad was a farmer too, right? That's what we saw in, in the Genesis, in, the, in the, the Garden of Eden, like that he was, a, he was a farmer. He tilled the land. He took care of the garden and, and all of that. And so Abel, it would have been e easy for Abel to say, well, I'm not like my older brother and I'm not, not, like, my, not like my dad. And so the gifts that I have to offer aren't good enough. And that's not what we see in the story here. What we see in the story is that God accepted Abel's gift. He gave what he had. And so I want you to have confidence that what God gave you to work with is what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to be a singer if you're not a singer and don't have a singing gift. He doesn't want you to be a preacher if you're not a preacher, if you don't have the preaching gift. What God wants from you is to think about how can I give God my best from what I'm good at? If you're a writer, how can I write to honor God with my gift? If I'm a musician, how can I, how can I give uh, the best and first of what I can give to God? You know, if I'm a, if I'm an excellent accountant, how can I be the best possible accountant? How can I use my accounting skills to honor God and give him the first of that? And this is so important. I want, somebody needs to hear this this morning. What you have to offer is exactly what God wants from you. He doesn't want the pretend gift or the emulation of someone else's. He wants yours. Give him the best of what you can offer. And if we do, what does God promise? We see that word siset, right? That Hebrew word in there. Translated as accepted. You will be accepted. You'll be lifted up. But it says to lift your face. If you do, you will be able to hold your head high. Lifted the face. Lifted up. If you do this, if you, if your heart's in the right place, right? Let's kind of pull it all together here. If your heart's in the right place, if you're, if the way that you live is right, you know, if you give God your best, if you have confidence that what God gave you is what he wants from you, you will be accepted. You will be exalted. You will be lifted up. You will be able to hold your hell, your head high in confidence. So. What do we learn from Abel's story? Abel's story reveals that God cares more about our integrity than our gifts. And so the thing that I would say to each of you, to myself included, is I could preach the best possible sermon. Oh my gosh, I could write a book. I could get a podcast. I could put it all out there. If my heart's in the wrong place, if I don't have integrity, you better believe God's not listening. You know, but... But if I give God my, the glory, if I just want people to hear, I just do my best. I give him everything. And I'm confident that he made me a teacher. That's what I am. It's what I'm good at. If I do that and nobody's listening, I know God is. 
And I know that he can say, hold your head up high, Jared, because you're giving me glory. I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you for you using the gifts that I've given you. I hear it. I see it. It's like music. It's melody in my ears. So when you're doing that spreadsheet at work and you're so good at it, know that God is like, oh my God, the the clicks on the keyboard. Oh my gosh, the formulas you're using in Excel. They're so good to me. I love it. I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you, daughter. I don't know. I know I'm being like really like over the top here, but I, I cannot just like, I spent so many years feeling like, feeling like the gifts that I had were not as good as other people. And I just see here looking now, like seeing the story from Abel, like Abel just gave his best and God was so proud of it. He was so thankful for it. And so much so that he was referenced in the new Testament thousands of years later. It wasn't an insignificant story. Faith. Abel's story reveals that God cares more about our integrity than our gifts. Would you close your eyes and pray with me as we just kind of close out this time together? Holy Spirit, would you encourage us today in this? Would you convict us of areas where we've been more like Cain than Abel? I think both are true and both need to happen. They're both in the story. You're in both of the pieces of the story. So whichever we need this morning, encouragement or conviction, Holy Spirit, do it. I pray that we would live our lives with integrity. That We would look to you. We would live for you. Our heart would be right. That we would be encouraged. That we'd be challenged. We have a desire to give you our best that we would have the confidence that whatever you have put inside of us, the smallest, tiny gifts, the largest, biggest, most significantly, seemingly significant gifts, all of them are what you want from us. You don't want something else. If we don't have it in us, it's not what you're asking for. And help us to find ways to do that. Find ways, creative, unique ways to give you the best of our gifts individually We know that you'll be honored so that we can hold our heads up high in your presence. Speak to us in our discussion as well in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.